Thanks for listening to the news live on WBEZ and NPR. The WBEZ stream sounds great in the kitchen on your smart speaker and anywhere on the WBEZ app. Listen every day. What's up, Chicago? I'm Erin Allen, and this is The Rundown. We are barely halfway into 2023, and already a record number of anti-trans bills have been introduced across the United States, including bans on gender-affirming care for minors and bans on drag performances. And new proposals continue to target transgender athletes at every level. Now, studies and medical experts make it clear that gender-affirming health care saves lives, and Illinois has positioned itself as a safe haven for trans people. To get a sense of just how safe that haven is, and to break down the precarious state of trans rights both locally and nationally, one of our producers here on The Rundown, Sarah Stark, spoke to two community leaders, Shannon Lynn Parker and Stephanie Scora. They're both with Brave Space Alliance, which is a black and trans-led LGBTQ plus organization centered on the south side of Chicago. Shannon, I want to start with you. First things first, you started as CEO on the first of this month. Congrats. Thank you so much. Yes, yes, Huge. yes. <laughs> How's that been so far? So far, honestly, so much better than my first week of high school. <laughs> I'll tell you that. It was great. Much warmer. As Sarah mentioned, Shannon is the CEO of Brave Space and Stephanie is their chief development officer. They start by explaining more about the organization and what it's doing right now. Really what Brave Space focuses on, the same in our policy work as in our direct service work, is dignity. You know, we look at all these horrible laws being passed around the country, many of them in our neighboring states. And we look at efforts not just to drive trans people out of public life, but to deprive us of our ability to live honestly and with dignity. Um, And so what we're doing here in Illinois, what we're doing in Cook County, what we're doing in Chicago – is ensuring that whether you live here and have lived here your whole life or whether you are fleeing your home in another state and coming to Illinois because we've made a promise to you that LGBTQ people and trans people specifically will be safe here, that you have the legal framework to live a dignified life. Yeah, I'm curious about that because I know Illinois, I mean, as a state, positions itself as a safe haven for abortion rights, a safe haven for trans rights. Does that feel true to you? Like, what would it take for these anti-trans policies to come to Illinois? And are they closer than we feel like they are? You know, I think the the idea of a safe haven is a little bit fraught because, you know, as trans people, we can never be safe. That's why we're named Brave Space Alliance, not Safe Space Alliance. Um, mm. But w- what we can provide is the ability to advocate for yourself, the ability to have access to basic human rights. You know, having human rights doesn't keep you safe. It doesn't prevent those rights from being violated. Mm -hmm. But it means that they're guaranteed to you under the law. So if people are violent towards you, if people discriminate, you have an opportunity for recourse, no matter how difficult that recourse may be to actually achieve. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's what Illinois brings is it brings the acknowledgement that LGBTQ people are human, that trans people are human, that we have basic human rights here. Um, And it's felt very keenly for our residents many of whom lose those rights when they cross the border into one of our many neighboring states. Um, You know, I regularly travel out of state and I lose my human rights when I cross the border. Mm. And it's such an interesting experience for me, the way that I have to shift just the basic ways that I exist in order to keep myself safe when I'm not in Illinois. 
Yeah, what does that look like? What does that sort of shift that, in in some ways, I guess, code switching maybe look like for you? Well, it's things that honestly deprive me of the ability to live with as I choose and with dignity. Mm-hmm. You know, when I go to, for example, Indiana, um, I have to be very careful about what public bathrooms I use. Mm. Um, I have to be very careful about what I'm wearing out in public. Uh, I look very, very gay. And so I have to be careful about what restaurants I go to, where I stop. Mm. Um, and just those things where, you know, if I am not careful about those things, I could be the victim of a hate crime. Mm-hmm. Now, that could happen to me in Illinois, too. But in Indiana, they'll get away with it. In Illinois, maybe they won't get away with it. And I'll take that maybe and I'll hold on to it real hard. Yeah. Yeah. Shannon, does that f- sort of ring true to you? Oh, my God. Stephanie is 100 percent correct. Here's the thing that 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 our population is seeing. So there is this sort of optical driven notion that things are okay with LGBTQ folks because they live in the state of Illinois. The fact is, again, as Stephanie pointed out, is that, no, in Illinois, we have more legal recourse. Mm. That does not mean that it inoculates or protects us from all of the other day-to-day harms that can happen. Because the fact is, is that when trans folks or LGBTQ folks are walking down the street, nobody who is going to attack them is going to say to them, maybe some will, (laughs) but no one for the most part is going to say, oh, wait a minute. That thing just passed today in Illinois. Drats, I can't I can't hurt you. Mm. No, no, absolutely not. That's not the case, which is, again, why we want to expound on that language of brave space. Right. Mm. Because we don't we cannot necessarily guarantee you that there is any type of safe space in this world or in this state or in this city, right? Um, Every day walking out of your house, being a trans person is an act of bravery, right? It is the resolute notion that I'm going to go out as my authentic self and face the world no matter what they bring. And I think the other thing that is really important about being in Illinois and having the progressive lawmakers and having the progressive policies and laws that we do is it pr- it builds a bulwark around the rights that we do have and makes it harder to take them away. Mm. Um, Sarah, to your earlier question of you know how close are we to this happening in Illinois? We're working very hard to put ourselves as far away as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know we have laws like the Patient and Provider Protection Act that protected people's rights to reproductive health care and gender affirming care. Mm-hmm. So if in the future the government of Illinois changed very drastically. And people wanted to try and take those laws away. Well, there are laws on the books protecting those rights. Mm. Um, So those are the things that we're talking about. I know some folks are talking about laws that would protect uh, and explicitly enshrine people's rights to dress as they choose, to perform in drag, um, you know, free speech protection rights. Because what we're seeing in other states is that's where folks go first. They go after the basic civil liberties. Mm -hmm. And the difference between Illinois and, say, Indiana is that we have – not only our basic human rights, but we have walls around those rights that have to get knocked down before you can get to that core thing and take it away. Any legal right is as fragile as the next election. And, you know, I think we all learned that lesson in 2016, Mm -hmm. that the government can change just like that. Um, But I think, you know, with the supermajorities that uh, progressives and Democrats have in Illinois, we hold every major statewide office, congressional delegation, both Senate seats, 
we've got an electoral bulwark here. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think that we are looking at a situation where we could lose control and lose, uh, you know, lose track of things overnight. We likely have the ability to see it coming in Illinois. Yeah. Um, but a lot of our neighbors are not so lucky. A lot of other states in general, whether they're our neighbors or not, are not so lucky. And that's why we are trying to do as much as possible right now in Illinois with the majorities that we have to pass these laws, to enshrine these protections, to make sure that people's bodily autonomy is respected because folks are going to need that. People are going to start coming to Chicago for a lot of reasons, one of which is because we provide people with their basic human rights here. We're a sanctuary city in more ways than one. What organizations like Brave Space need, we need resources. Mm-hmm. You know, we need individual resources. So for listeners of the podcast, if you want to help Brave Space uh, fulfill our mission, you can go to bravespacealliance.org forward slash donate. Uh, And, uh, you know, sign up for a monthly contribution. But also you can call your state representative and you can call your state senator and you can tell them that less than a million dollars is spent on trans specific issues statewide. Wow. And that's that's less than a million. million, And all of it is related to HIV. Mm, Which important work, but is not the only thing. There are so many other problems that are not directly related to HIV related programming. Um, because it's difficult to, for example, use that money for a jobs program mm-hmm. or use that money to provide housing. Yeah. Shannon, what would you sort of add to Like, what are the pressing issues facing trans Chicagoans that are, in, you know, maybe falling through the cracks or that we don't have the resources for right now? So it's no secret to the listeners and to us in here that trans folks face shocking amounts of lethal violence, right? Um, It's no secret that trans folks, LGBTQ folks face many forms of discrimination. You know, we're not given access to higher forms of education, shelters, you know, oh, I'm sorry, it was full, you know, things like that. Um, We are overlooked by medical practitioners, you know. Another thing that happens is... Trans people just are not humanized. Mm -hmm. We are constantly seen in victim mode. Mm -hmm. We are constantly seen um, through the lens of trauma porn. Um, We are constantly being thought of as this community that has to be protected and defended and spoken for and all these other things. And if everybody is so actively busy speaking for us, then when do we begin to speak for ourselves? Mm-hmm. You know? Um, so those are just some of the things to name a few that I've experienced and that my community's experienced. We're so often siloed and pigeonholed to doing um, very particular things over and over again, particularly as we seek out our professional careers, right? Um, I find oftentimes, for instance, in nonprofit, we typically are using, typically doing work around prevention, you know, outreach. And those are great. Those are great. Those are great fields. We need you in those roles. But I'll tell you something. One of the other harms that happens is when we're not allowed to expand our horizons, Mm. You know, 
there's such subtle day-to-day harms that happen within our community that I think they even go over our heads, right? Um, because that's what happens when you're trying to survive is that you just get into this routine and you no longer think about all the ways that you're being harmed. Yeah. I'm interested in what you're saying about, you know, dehumanizing people. And I'm curious how you've seen you've I mean, you've both had a long career mm-hmm. in trans rights advocacy sure. already. Uh, and I'm curious to hear how you've seen the conversation shift over that career. I've been in nonprofit for nearly 20 years. Mm-hmm. All right. I've seen it shift from your key to success depends on your normality, and I'm holding up the air quotes thing, and your ability to um, kind of assimilate into mainstream cis-normative mm-hmm. you know, yeah. society to now being validated by virtue of who you say you are. I think that that is a shift that is still being resisted by, mm-hmm. you know, um, individuals in power, personally, as I see it. Um, but I'm seeing a shift, in my opinion, for the better, where individuals are being recognized for their whole and authentic self as before you had to kind of cut off certain pieces of yourself if you wanted to walk through that door. Mm. Yeah, Stephanie, how about you? Yeah, I think, you know, on the other side of that, because everything that Shannon is saying is completely correct, the other side of that is that the issues that we're dealing with really haven't changed very much at all. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, when you get up to that macro lens, the ways in which trans folks are dehumanized are very similar. We're mm-hmm. still denied housing. Mm-hmm. We're still denied access to employment. Um, and if we find access to employment, all too often it's tokenizing. Mm-hmm. Um, we're denied access to basic public services, Uh, and we're denied access to live and claim ourselves in our truth and our dignity in life and in death. Um, And one of the things that Brave Space Alliance does that's so unique is our funeral fund, which is, we believe, the only program of its kind that's ever existed, um, certainly in a nonprofit space, Mm -hmm. that pays for parts of the funerals of trans individuals who would otherwise not have affirming burials. And this is a huge issue. You know, if you follow LGBTQ issues at all, you will see year after year after year these just ticking counters of, oh, the 12th trans woman killed this year, Mm. the 20th trans woman killed this year, the 30th trans woman killed this year. Um, And underneath that, you'll see they were dead named and misgendered in the media Mm -hmm. or they were buried under the wrong name or they didn't have affirming X, Y, Z. And... That's what's so important about the funeral fund is it allows people to stake their claim to themselves after death. And it allows the community to reclaim people more easily. And we're very lucky, very, very lucky that we have some, you know, some great partners in Cook County who are working with us in their official capacity to make sure that dead, naming, dead namings and misgenderings happen as little as possible. Mm-hmm. But they happen. Yeah. And they happen frequently. Yeah. And this is a problem that trans people have been facing for decades. And only now have we started to be able to tackle it. And folks come to me and they – I frequently get asked, you know, what do you think is the reason for the increasing number of murders of trans women every year? And the reply that – you know, Shannon, I know you get these questions all the time too sure. – 
uh, the answer that we always give is, well, there's no more murders this year than there were last year. We just know who the people are this time. Yes. You know, people, we, we have been getting murdered by cis folks who are afraid of us for or who just plain hate us mm. forever. But now our community is able to claim us more accurately and more forcefully. And that's why we see these numbers going up and up and up, not because more people are being killed, but because we're able to identify our dead. Mm-hmm. And the more people we're able to identify, that's a victory. Yeah. Because then our community isn't living in the shadows and forced into the shadows even more after death. We get to live our truths and continue existing in them should something happen. Yeah. Huh. I don't want to take us on like too hard of a turn, but I think especially because we're sitting in a lot of these really difficult Mm-hmm. issues. I, I want to make sure that I also in this conversation make space for trans joy, awesome. right? Like mm. I, f- I feel like, you know, as a journalist and just a consumer of media, that's, I think trans joy is newsworthy. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the media disagrees or, or even if they agree, don't know, you know, where to look for right. um, newsworthy trans joy. So I'm curious to hear from both of you where where you see room for joy, oh. where that joy shows up for you. I, I, I think that is such a beautiful question. Mm. You know, trans people are denied two things, as I see it, the access to thrive and the access to personhood. Mm. And when we deny a trans person's access to personhood, we are reducing them to segments of themselves that they are not otherwise allowed to, you know, express Mm-hmm. I have been told I make a fantastic macaroni and cheese. <laughs> I am deeply proud of my family's legacy in genealogy. I make good gumbo, and I'm highly critical of other people's gumbos. <laughs> no offense to the viewer or to the listener out there. She's a connoisseur. <laughs> I am a connoisseur. Um, I... My God, my favorite author is Toni Morrison. Mm. Oh, my goodness. I'm a side sleeper. Um, (laughs) You know, uh, again, right? I'm not going to say that it's going to drastically cure and reduce all the harms that trans folks are experiencing. But I'll tell you this. It is a lot harder to savage and harm someone whose humanity that you see. Mm. Mm -hmm. And I believe that there is an active investment in individuals not seeing the humanity of this population for that very reason. So again, you know, I know I went the long way around, but (laughs) oh my God, like there's so much joy, Mm -hmm. you know, that, that lives within our community, within ourselves that we access every single day. Joy in these moments comes from our communities. Trans people, perhaps more so than any other group of people, rely on our communities in order to live, in order to love, in order to be ourselves, in order to experience our joy. And people today are finding community more than ever. And I think that's one of You know, the unintended consequences of this right-wing attack on the existence of trans people is it's helping us find each other. You know, when trans people find ourselves and we find each other, we can do anything. 
Stephanie Scora is the Chief Development Officer at Brave Space Alliance. And Shannon Lynn Parker is the freshly minted CEO of the organization. You can learn more about them at bravespacealliance.org. Also, our colleague Char Dastin profiled a number of trans Chicagoans from the 2023 Trans Visibility Pageant. You can find that story at wbez.org. That's it for today. Justin Bull produced this episode of The Rundown. Katie O'Connell and Ariel Van Cleve edited the show. Haley Bloomquist was the engineer for this episode, and our theme music is by Louis Weeks. And we'd love to hear from you. Email us with your questions, thoughts, and what you want to hear on the show. You can send an email to therundownpod at wbez.org. I'm Erin Allen. Thank you for listening. I'll talk to you tomorrow morning. <laughs> 